Welcome to Real Estate Coaching Radio, starring award-winning real estate coaches and number one international best-selling authors, Tim and Julie Harris. Real Estate Coaching Radio is the nation's number one daily radio show for realtors who demand authentic, real-time coaching. Get ready for fluff-free, unfiltered, full-strength honesty about what's truly working to get you into action, helping others, and making money now in today's real estate market. Now to our hosts, Tim and Julie Harris. Welcome back to Real Estate Coaching Radio. We are your host, Tim and Julie Harris. Listen, I want to start out uh, by announcing that Julie and I are going to be posting on our main website, Tim and Julie Harris, several places that we're going to be um, doing a little public speaking, some gathering of agents, people that are coaching clients, the whole thing. So I'll be posting those up. One's going to be in Arizona. The other's going to be in Dallas. So um, look for that information soon. A lot of you guys ask when we're doing live events. We do a lot of live private events where we can't invite folks unless you're part of that brokerage or the organization we're speaking for. But in this case, you actually can regardless of your affiliation. So I'm excited about that. So I'll be posting on information a little bit later today on timandjulieharris.com. And Julie, we are going to pick up where we left off yesterday. And what we're talking yes. about specifically on today's and yesterday's show are the results of this really brilliant report that comes out annually from a company called WealthX. And WealthX basically makes this report for the sake of helping people in the businesses of selling stuff to rich people. <laughs> it helps them to uh, the you know the companies to, to to know how to cater whatever they're trying to sell to those particular rich people. And I'm just saying that just to sort of summarize what they do. I'm sure they do things that are much more complicated than that, but that's the gist of it. So yesterday we talked about the characteristics of the folks that are um, high net worth or ultra high net worth. We talked about a lot of the misperceptions that folks have about quote unquote rich people. So if you if you didn't listen to yesterday's show, do go back and listen to it. But we'll be touching on a lot of those points. Today, and Julie has prepared a great presentation for all of you guys. So, Julie, without any further delay, welcome to today's show. Yes, and it's my pleasure to be here and share the show with you. And I think that one of the most significant things from yesterday's talk was the fact that almost 86% of these ultra-high net worth individuals are self-made. I think that's probably the biggest myth that we dispelled yesterday is that rich people are rich because they inherited it. It was given, it, given to them. They lucked into it, whatever. No, it was self-made, and in fact, that you know that report goes a lot in depth, and we are going to post it on our premier coaching site for our um, premier coaching clients to di- deep dive and get all of the nitty-gritty out of it. But uh, m- almost all of the uh, weight in those self-made millionaires was in the U.S. So, because this was a global report, so not only are self-made, but also right here, it's almost everybody that's in that category. So I thought that was interesting. And what this is leading to is a lot of emails and texts and coaching clients asking, okay, that's great. I recognize that there are a ton of these high net worth individuals and that much of their wealth is in real estate. So how do I break into the luxury real estate market? That's the big question. We get this question on our premier coaching a lot. And related to that might be, how do I raise my average sale price? Maybe it's not that you're looking to break into the five, ten, fifteen million dollar listings. Maybe it is. Maybe it's not. Maybe you just want to raise your average sale price from two fifty to maybe six fifty. That's related to this too. So how do you go about doing that? Well, there's only several ways. This is not rocket science, and this is something that every single listener can embrace. So number one, it starts with education. You have to know about the product and about the people. 
most agents get intimidated once they are listing or showing in the price range just above their own neighborhood. It's a fact. We see it all the time. You guys freak out when it's the price range over what you're accustomed to. So how do you get rid of that fear? You preview like crazy. Get to know the luxury agents. Get to know the luxury builders and their product, the luxury neighborhoods. What do you actually get for the money? And it's a little bit different in each market. So in certain markets, once you hit maybe 500000 it becomes a custom or semi-custom home, whether that was custom 20 years ago or whether you're talking about new construction now. In other markets, that doesn't happen until you're a million and a half or two million. You know, there's neighborhoods in California where you don't even get air conditioning until it's over two million. So know what your product is. It's all relative. Anything you want to add to that, Tim, on the education piece of this? I was just thinking back to the house that we owned in California in Laguna Beach that didn't have dirt. <laughs> right. <laughs> when you said that. I know. Yeah. And the basement was made <laughs> of dirt. <laughs> yes, and the basement was literally made of dirt. And you walk down these nice stairs, and <laughs> to your immediate right, there was a door to a massive room full of dirt. <laughs> yeah. And that was a million dollars. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know. It's yeah, crazy. Anyway. Yeah. Moving on. And, and what would that get you in, say, choose your city in the Midwest? It's different. So know your own personal market. And it is good for you to be networking with the luxury agents. They often have pocket listings and things like that. Uh, also get to know the people who have property like that, who might be moving up and down and around from those properties. So that leads us to point number two, and that is networking. Most luxury listings come from center of influence relationships. When you look at an agent and you go, boy, that is a gorgeous listing. I wonder how they got that. Honestly, chances are they didn't call and get it from a for sale by owner. It, it might have expired, but probably it's because they knew each other somehow. So are you part of the clubs, the charities, the groups, and the events where the wealthy actually are? Or does that intimidate you? It's okay if it intimidates you. You can get a higher level of comfort by actually participating at a higher level. So expand your center of influence with intention. That doesn't mean Julie, that you're going down. to will it into place. <laughs> yeah, go ahead. Let's drill, let's drill down on that because I know if I were, you know, back when you and I were selling real estate, I know if I'd heard that point, I'd be like, okay, so what am I supposed to do? I, I don't even have access right? to the network. Okay, mm -hmm. so I'll, make, I'll give you guys some examples, and I'll use real-life examples from coaching clients. Um, I love to brag on this guy because we love him, and he's been a coaching client for basically since he started selling real estate. And, and one of the original goals – but he had, and it was so fabulous to accomplish it last year with him, is he wanted to be the number one agent in his state, uh, Greenwich, and he wanted to just, he had some of those very specific goals tied to that. But the best thing about Rob Johnson is that he's just such a gentleman, such an amazing, um, just a person that I really am appreciative of being a coach for. Long story short is that he gets all of his business from centers of influence and past clients, but he's not been selling real estate in Greenwich, Connecticut, which is one of the most competitive, most expensive sort of little enclave villages on the face of planet Earth. And I'm not even kidding you guys. If you don't know Greenwich, Connecticut, um, you're not at all wired in to the most expensive real estate that there ever has been and ever probably will be. So he, he had, you know, he lived there. He had been a, a trader on Wall Street before. So he felt some level of comfort with working with people in that in the similar price ranges as, as he was living, but he did not have any real connections to the community beyond those that he got from his family just living there, you know? So the plan that we put in place, it took maybe, I don't know, two years, two and a half, three years, maybe to really fully implement. 
but was we were going to make a list of essentially the social organizations that, first of all, he was already interested in belonging to, and then we were going to expand. And so what we did is we started with the ones that were the easiest, frankly, for him to feel comfortable in the quickest. And I'm going to share something with you too, guys. So Rob is um, probably one of the wealthiest people I've ever coached before, and that he came to me that way because he'd done very well in his other business career. But he had limiting beliefs about the houses that he could attract to himself to lift, even though he personally lives in a $10 million house. So when he was trying, to Julie's point, when he was thinking about uh, expanding, you know, I wanted, you know, he said he wanted to start listing houses that were, you know, 20 million, 30 million, and his market houses go 50, 75 million. But he didn't, he had some limiting beliefs about his uh, essentially ability to communicate with people that were obviously going to be billionaires opposed to him which was, you know, an ultra high net worth person or which is what he is. So the, the fascinating thing about that was, is that also is a sim- similar, you know, psychological issue that many of you had. Julie and I had the same thing when we were selling real estate. And I talked about that yesterday and we actually physically moved from our original market. And when we sold real estate in Columbus, Ohio, and we moved to this area where the sale price was four times higher. And guess what we discovered? The same thing Rob discovered, the same thing you'll discover is that the people are just like you. They just have basically had uh, maybe probably worked harder in the most, in the, for the most part, they've, they've been more industrious. They've played less golf, taken fewer days off. You know, they've been more drilled down and focused on their particular goals and they were able to actually think bigger and then surround themselves with people that would reinforce those goals. And we talked about that yesterday on yesterday's podcast, the importance of location and the people you associate yourself with. Well, so guess what Rob did? Rob's been able to basically break into that market. One of the first clubs he joined was a cigar smoking club, believe it or not. And in the cigar smoking club, there's normal non-millionaires you know, millionaires and billionaires. There's normal people in the cigar smoking club, and he does business with them. You, know, he has, you would not meet Rob. He doesn't have a pretentious bone in his body. Just like I said, a classy guy. And so he then basically is able to do business with normal folks and you know, not necessarily in Greenwich. And then he can also, yes, last year he sold a uh, 50 some 53 million dollar house um, and he's he's listed just one last last week for 20 some million so that started with so he went from the cigar smoking club which if you want to talk about an east coast thing picture that in your head that's pretty funny right. and, and but then he's expanded to he's expanded to other things where he feels like he can be himself and so when he walks into these rooms where he's talking with you know just basically sitting around talking about cigars or whatever they do in cigar smoking clubs he then is able to relax and be himself and then essentially he's going to uh, because he's relaxed and being himself he's going to be around other people that are feeling hopefully the same way and it's easier to have conversations i mean julie and i haven't sold real estate forever but if we did i promise you we would be able to pick up just bazillions of transactions just from back when we lived in texas just from going to orange theory you know again you make a community there so that's really what so start out with doing what you already like to do. And um, I was, again, if I were still selling, Julie and I were still selling real estate, I would personally work in, in, inside um, maybe a, you know, certain types of car clubs or Julie and I have French bulldogs. You know, we do stuff with French bulldogs. We, you know, we have a kid, so we have a six-year-old daughter. So that obviously, so start by doing the things that you already have interest in. And because you're going to be around other people who have common interests, that already gives you a leg up. And then you don't have to just walk in with your every time walk in and be Mr. and Mrs. Real Estate. What you do is you casually basically just be yourself for the sake of having fun and enjoying their company. And you don't have to basically put it out that you're in real estate. 
they're going to ask you about it. So when you're in these social type things where people are still trying to figure out what your motivation is, if you have any ulterior motives, right, which a lot of you guys are paranoid about, you know, people perceiving that about you, well, then I give you permission when you're initially establishing yourself in these organizations to not be necessarily as overt about your real estate intentions or your real estate hopes that you have with doing business with them. After they get to know you and trust you and realize you're just like them, then they're, you're going to be and they're going to see you as part of their centers of influence and past clients. And one of the things when Julie and I sold real estate, because we did the same exact thing ourselves, is that we would show up, and one of our rules was, and this is in Harris Rules, by the way, our book, is that we always intent, we always show up, and we do this to this day, even though we don't sell real estate, we always try to dress either you know, one stage uh, better than the environment that we're going to be in. And we're not selling anything. It's just a habit we got into. So like if you're going to a – and Julie used to do it. Like, Julie, tell your example. Julie's a classical musician. She plays in orchestras. Um, she's done professional recording. She's played on soundtracks. You know, maybe you guys, you know, unless you're long-time listeners, you would know that. So, Julie, tell them when we sold real estate, when you're involved in the, the symphony, how you'd go about pulling leads out of there without ever actually having to talk about real estate. Yeah, I can. I promise you, I never once said, "quote When do you plan on moving?" Never said it. Did not come out of my mouth. Okay, which is what some of you guys fear is that you guys say some goofy script that doesn't make any sense. So you're never going to say it. Makes you uncomfortable. So you don't have to do that. What I would do is I would always, to Tim's point, and all of you guys need to do this. I don't care if you live in a beach city. You still need to do this. Okay, so you are going to dress nicer than anybody you are around. You don't have to dress formally, but you need to be one notch nicer. If everyone else is wearing jeans, you don't wear jeans. If everybody else is wearing shorts, don't wear shorts. So take it up a notch, right? So what I would do is I would go to the rehearsals. And honestly, I was also doing that because it made me more confident as a musician to look nice, just as it gives you more confidence when you go to a listing presentation to look nice. So it's good for you anyway. But I would always dress, and what would happen is people would ask me all the time, Julie, you always look so nice. What does you do other than music? And then that was opening the door for me to talk about real estate. Once they realized I was in real estate, they would ask me questions about what was going on in the market, and then I would end up doing lots of transactions with them. That was really great because I was amongst people where we had common interests. They automatically trusted me, and I got lots of cross-referrals that way. You can do that with anything that you're, um, that you're working on. So I actually have broken this down, Tim. So join organizations and participate in three categories regularly. So A is what we're just talking about. I call it stuff you like to do anyway. This is hobbies and interests that you have or are curious about. This category is important because you're most likely to actually connect and participate regularly. For me, it was music, French bulldogs, gardening club. I've got coaching clients where it's a book club. It can be golf, stuff you like to do anyway that you wish you were doing more of. Now, I typically will get kickback from agents, especially the more grizzled veterans, because they feel like that's taking away from their business. If they're not at their office, they're not making an effort. It's taking away somehow. And I alleviate that by telling them, look, this is coaching homework. If you expect to get 10% from your database, which is very typical. And most of our coaching clients get well more than that. Rob's a great example of that. If you expect to get a minimum return of people doing business or referring business to you, you have to actually go out there on purpose and grow your center of influence, talk to them, and participate. So if it helps you to, some of you that are weird about doing stuff like this, and it does tend to be sometimes the more successful agents that are, are strange about this. 
I am taking that problem away from you and making it coaching homework. It is your job to expand your center of influence. So stuff you like to do anyway. You can go to meetup.com. That is not a dating site. I know it sounds like it is, but it's not. Meetup.com has listings for you. Put in your zip code. You put in your interests. You say maybe a 10-mile radius, a 20-mile radius, and it will pop up things that you can be doing that people have posted. You can try stuff out. So stuff you like to do anyway. Uh, I would put Orange Theory in, not that we really ever liked it, but <laughs> we liked exercising. So that's something that was regular. All right, so B, category B, is networking for the sake of networking. That's things like Chamber of Commerce, Business Network International, Investor Clubs. You can find these things also on meetup.com. You can find it in your local paper. You have many Facebook pages that are local to you to find some different things to do. So networking for the sake of networking. And, again, you can mix and match and try some things out. Then we have category C, and this is a hotbed of high net worth individuals. Think about it. Where do they spend their time when they're not working, taking care of kids, what, you know, traveling? Charities. Now, I especially like real estate-oriented uh, charities because it makes it a little easier for you to talk about what you do, but it doesn't have to be real estate-oriented. That would be things like Habitat for Humanity, but also philanthropic organizations, fundraisers. It could be your art museum. It could be something that's close to your heart. Um, lots of our coaching clients have things that are very particular to them, um, and that can be just whatever turns you on that you're going to go to and actually get to know people. This is not a one-stop meeting where you go and talk about real estate and hope for the best. This is actually getting to know people, letting them get to know you and trust you. So charities are good. So we've talked about educating hey, Julie. yourself. Julie. Yes. So let, let's give, again, I like to give them a practical drill down example of what they can do. Just, uh, you know, sure. so for, here's a good, here's a good example. Julie came up with this idea probably 20 years ago. Um, again, following our own advice. So everything we're telling you actually works, not just tested our own real estate practice, but also tested in the practices of literally tens of thousands of coaching clients. Um, Julie and I uh, wanted to get involved in charities. And we had, Julie and I do not come from money. We do not have any sort of social connections. There is nobody giving, there was no sort of social hand, or reached out, nobody, nothing. Okay. So we did. There was like, no cheating involved. Is, you know, <laughs> no cheating or shortcuts. Uh, we do love animals. We do love pets. We do have, you know, that's something that when, you know, we got, Julie and I got married when we were 20 and 21, and we adopted five cats. I mean, it was crazy. But the reason I'm telling you guys all this is because Humane Society was something that was really important to us. And the, um, the Columbus Area Humane Society was a no-kill ch uh, shelter. So we went to the Humane Society, and we said that we would like to be involved with you guys, and here's how we'd like to do it. We'd like to basically – pay for all the adoption fees of anyone that does a real estate transaction with us. And then we started, uh, that became one of our USPs and it was called buy or sell with me, adopt a pet for free. Now, of course, the humane society was, well, they have to obviously qualify. We're not just going to basically let anyone adopt a pet. If they're, you know, crazy people, we're not, no, fine, whatever. You guys make the rules. All we're doing is we're going to pick up the tab. Buy or sell with me, adopt a pet for free. Um, and here's the other thing that's interesting. The wealth X report talked about charities, like in essence, where do the, to Julie's point, where do the folks that have uh, high net worth and ultra high net worth, where do they spend their time? A vast majority of women who are ultra high net worth or, or, or um, high net worth spend their time in charities, volunteering in different charities. And, and you don't have to be a millionaire, a multimillionaire, a billionaire to get involved in the charity. When you walk in to, you know, just kind of 
stringing everything together for you guys. When you walk, you know, when Rob walks into a cigar smoking group in Connecticut, and just by the way, I can't shake the vision, the the image of what a stinky ass <laughs> place that must be. But that aside, um, <laughs> uh, he hey, does not he care whether the guy's a cop or whether he's a candlestick maker or a cobbler or the guy who runs a hedge fund. It does not matter. They're there sharing a common interest, and the same thing works when you're basically uh, networking inside a charity. You're there for the same reason that they're there. Now, here's the thing you guys have to understand. Rich people know uh, that they got that way from their connections. They're not sheepish about wanting to make connections. And you'll discover that when you start following some of our suggestions here, that you will uh, find them trying to sniff you out. So they're going to want to know who you are for the sake of basically them getting to know you and also deciding whether or not they can do business with you. So you're going to run into people that are there for, guess what, the exact same reason you are. They're wanting to expand their business center of influence and past clients, but they're also very interested in being of service to other people or, in the case of the Humane Society, the animals that Julie and I um, helped. And so that's the same thing. You guys get it? So when you're there, understand that they're not just, you know, if, when Julie, again, Julie and I had no exposure to this stuff when we got married. And if you had asked me when we were, you know, our formidable years about charities and rich people and, you know, the high fences and the Rolls Royces and all that, we would not have been able to really relate. But what we discovered and what you'll discover if you take this challenge is they're just like you. They're just like you. And in many cases, if you're a scrapper, like what Julie and I are, <laughs> we know, no, we're there, present tense. If you're a scrapper, they're actually going to appreciate you even more because they themselves That's were true. probably scrappers. They themselves had to remember, remember 95% right? of all, um, all high net worth people created their own worth, net worth in their, in their own lifetimes. They will smell that on you. They will see that you're like them. You have some of the same genesis qual, the same DNA as they do. And they will actually form a relationship with you because they see that you're ambitious. They'll appreciate that about you because that's something you have in common. All the while you're smoking cigars or you're, you know, helping in a, a, a charity. So I hope you guys realize this is attainable. This is not a big deal for you to do it. And just don't move too far away from starting with doing what you already like to do in, in a more formal setting with more folks that are also there to do the same thing. So Julie? Yes. And you know, something else I've noticed about the charitable organizations, because we've been doing some of that since we've moved to Puerto Rico. We've got one this Friday, by the way, just reminded me is that many of the people who do this charity are also invited in that charity. In fact, our invitation for this Friday, the gal I originally know from school, you and I went to a dinner party with her about a month, two months ago around Christmas time. And she said, the reason I thought of you is through somebody else. So it's, it's like, you know, three degrees of separation, not any more of that. And some of the, you know, like the, the Sato project here for the stray dogs of Puerto Rico, all of those people know each other from all the other charities too. So once you're participating in one, you're going to be getting invited to a lot of other ones and naturally organically growing your center of influence. So keep that in mind as well. That's sort of a, an unintended consequence that you can take advantage of. So we talked about education, actually getting to know the product, the builders, the agents, and the clientele. We talked about networking with doing stuff that you like to do anyway and charitable organizations. So we also have one of my favorite categories to break into the luxury market. You knew we were going to say it eventually, prospecting expireds. This is probably my favorite. This is not instead of what we just talked about. This is in addition to one of my favorites because you've got a lot of advantages here. For example, 
the agent that the client chose already has failed to sell the house. Now, you may or may not have won the listing in the first place if you were competing with that agent, especially if you're breaking into that market. That agent just failed. No more competition from them. Next, the price has been tested. Doing CMAs on luxury and custom homes, they're more challenging. There's a lot more to it. They're not cookie cutter. They're not model matches. So when it's an expired, the price has already been tested. The CMA is way easier the second or third time around. Um, next, you have – sorry about my alarm there. That's reminding me about Premier Coaching. Not that I would ever forget. Okay, so the <laughs> next – I know, I know. The seller is motivated on expired, okay? So the seller most of the time – I don't know why that's still – okay, is still – is motivated. Next, the hey, seller Joey. might also – yeah, I just turned it off. Hey, you can you can set you can set the alarm off, but listen, it gives me a good opportunity to basically drop a commercial in here, okay? <laughs> so thank you for that. Yeah. So listen, guys, a lot of you are at the point where you're knowing you need to hire a coach. You're trying to debate this coach or that coach. You're confused about what direction you should be going in the real estate business. You need to consider giving us a shot. Um, Julie and I we talked about this yesterday. Julie has four spots available in her personal schedule, and if you want to talk with us about being in Julie's personal schedule. You need to text me directly at 512-758-0206, um, and you then will basically have an opportunity to basically uh, – well, frankly, you're going to have to talk with Tom first, and then Tom's going to decide whether or not you qualify to be in Julie's schedule. We're very selective about who we personally coach, but if you think you're ready to have Julie or myself as your personal coach, then you need to reach out directly to us at 512-758-0206. Okay, so Julie, that was the only commercial I have for today, so you can finish. Yes, no worries. It's all good. So back to expired. We know that they want to sell their house because there was a sign in the yard. That's way more efficient and faster than anything else we've talked about. Again, not at the expense of doing the social stuff, but this is in addition to it gives you a leg up and it fast forwards the process. Many of these expired, especially the higher end ones, also might buy with you because they were waiting. Typically, there's longer days on the market. They didn't buy yet. Imagine having, you know, if they're financing anything, giant payments on both houses instead of one. They might be ready to build. So you might actually have two transactions with these expired. Next, the seller will help your center of influence expand through referrals after you've done a killer job for them. You're going to have a sold sign in one of these neighborhoods that you're anxious to break into. Next, of course open houses, marketing opportunities to bring you additional business while it's listed. It's not necessarily a bad thing that it takes a bit longer to sell these luxury homes. You have to be ready for that and ready for a longer relationship. But meanwhile, do a charity open house. Expand your center of influence. Take advantage of the fact that you've got some days on the market to use for actually marketing it. Then when your sold sign goes up, it expands your center of influence. People in the neighborhood see it. So Expireds are the fast-forward way while you're building your center of influence and doing the charity events and the meetups and the clubs and the associations. But I would agree with you, Tim. I think if we were to do it over again, I would probably try and do 10 times as much of that type of thing because we would have spent less money on marketing. I'm sure we would have. So Well, we wouldn't saying. have. I mean, we did, our, we, did virtually, yeah. we did virtually no marketing, yeah. but, I mean, the reality of it was we would have done less than none. <laughs> I mean, it had to yeah, basically exactly. followed our own advice. But, you know, it, the last two days, essentially, of this podcast was us hoping that you were going to pay attention and how you can break into the high end. This is something that, uh, look, in some of your markets, it's not available. I get that. You're gonna, you'd literally have to move lock, stock, and barrel to a different part of the state, let alone maybe country. 
um, we had to do that. We had to move across country eventually to essentially work into a market that uh, we wanted to actually use all of our skills and potential. It happens. Look, guys, just because you were born where you were born doesn't mean you have to end up there. Um, I'm going to end this uh, today's uh, podcast, today's show, with just two closing thoughts. Something like 95% of everyone, once they reach the age of retirement, let's call it 65, is either dependent on the government or a family member or both, basically just to make ends meet. In other words, they only have Social Security, then they have to basically hope that their family is going to financially take care of them. Virtually every American is going to is on a path to be financially destitute by the time they reach their late 60s. I want you to think about that for a second. That doesn't have to be you. And there are a lot of folks that actually – unfortunately, or in that position, it's because a lot of them had misperceptions about what it really took to be wealthy, to build wealth. And they had their entire lifetimes to do it, and they didn't. And it's because maybe they hadn't been exposed to things like what hopefully we could expose you guys to in that great Wealth X report we've been talking about. So look, if there's anything we can ever do for you, you guys know you can always reach out to us. Podcast listeners, coaching clients, does not matter. You can just always find Julia or myself. And the easy way is just text me directly, 512-758-0206. If you want to uh, receive our real estate treasure map, which is one, frankly, it's uh, Julia and I, it's basically a full and blank business plan we created a few years ago. We update it every year. It's something you definitely need. It's your business and life plan. The easy way to get that, you don't have to talk to anybody, is just text the word Harris, H-A-R-R-I-S, to 31996. Text the word Harris. H-A-R-R-I-S to 31996, and we'll text you right back a link to download the treasure map. In the meantime, guys, if you need us for anything, you know how to get hold of us. Have a fantastic day. This program has been a presentation by Tim and Julie Harris, Real Estate Coaching. For more information on our real estate coaching and training programs, visit our website at timandjulieharris.com. Remember to tune in weekdays at noon for upcoming shows. And until next time, thank you for listening to Real Estate Coaching Radio with Tim and Julie Harris. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.